Hi everyone and welcome back to Haunted History Chronicles, where today I'm joined by Beverly Turney, a medium and paranormal investigator who is the founder of Spirit Seekers Paranormal and Spirit Seekers History. Beverly has the real privilege of being able to help support a number of different locations in sharing their history and paranormal aspects with the community. I was able to chat with her about one of these locations in Ilfracombe, which is a beautiful seaside resort on the North Devon coast and has a range of fabulous locations and places to visit, first listed as a corn mill in 1795, and the subject of our chat today, some of its history and paranormal activity. So let's get started and say hello to Beverly and find out a little bit about her. Hi Beverly, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm very grateful. I can't wait to chat about the location we're going to explore today. It sounds absolutely phenomenal. Before we um, dive into this location, do you want to just say a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself and, you know, your background, how you became interested in the paranormal? Yes. Um, I was about 10 years old when I realised that I had been given a gift and worked on it from there didn't tell anybody for quite some time and then when i realized i had quite a, a large ability i started to travel around the country looking at how different mediums worked you know sussing out who was the real ones and who wasn't uh, and that's generally how i learned to deal with the ability that i'd been given um, and that is what, and living in a, a haunted house, you know, which I grew up in. And that's really how I became into the paranormal. I think it's something that when you speak to other mediums or people who are sensitive, it can be an interesting journey to get to that point where they really are comfortable to start sharing that, you know, this is something that I'm able to do because there is that taboo, that stigma around it, I think sometimes, sadly. And um, so it's it's fantastic when you can seek out others with a similar kind of journey, a similar experience to really start to see how other people operate within that field. You know, what kinds of techniques and things that they use to start to really hone in on, you know, what works best for you as a medium, I think. Yes. As I said, it was very difficult at first because I didn't understand what it was. Um, and then you have to then go round and find the right people that can help you and teach you and guide you. Um, and as I said, I didn't tell anybody for a long time. Um, but then as I sort of grew up, I started then to look at buildings and things like that that I liked. Um, so that's when I then arranged Spirit Seekers and Spirit Seekers History, which I am the owner and founder of. And I then put the two together and started doing documentation. And from there, my documentation has just taken off. And I have been to all the churches around the country. I've been to all the, you know, beautiful historic places. I've done documentation, some of them that have taken 10 15 years or more and i've got so many years of this now all filed away and i'm 
very, very grateful to everybody that has allowed me to go in and do that. And from there, I've been invited all over the country to do documentations, to do my mediumship. And it's just really, really taken off. Sounds incredible. I mean, just that opportunity to investigate such a wealth of different types of locations and to travel the length and breadth of of the United Kingdom to explore and document some of the things that you must have the opportunity to to document is just an incredible opportunity. Really jealous. <laughs> well, from there, it leads on to other things. So I've been involved in a couple of court cases where, you know, I've been asked to do certain things or to gather certain information. And that's obviously, you know, really, really hard to do. I've also then um, was able to get in contact with the local churches that I deal with as well. Um, and I'm very, very lucky. I have a beautiful priest who guided me through and I am now fully baptised into the Church of England as a, a fully working medium. I don't work for the church, but if anything did happen, I could be called upon. So you have to do, you know, sort of make sure that you don't get the wrong idea when I say that. I've been very, very lucky in the respect that I wanted to be baptised because I've, religion has always been something that is very true to me. And my priest came along and helped, and and you know, and I had it had to be written away to the Vatican because obviously, it's something that mediums are not sort of good on. Um, and I was accepted, and and I'm very very lucky to have had that opportunity. That's incredible. And in terms of if there was anybody else listening who who feels that they're sensitive, would you recommend following the same kind of route of of seeking out spirit, you know, spiritualist churches to find other like-minded mediums to explore what other mediums are doing to kind of help them in that practice and that journey. Was that something that you would recommend as a starting point? I think they have to have the ability to know what they know themselves, what they know. There are some mediums who can only hear or, you know, be clairaudient. If you've got the whole thing, then obviously as a medium, you have to realise your own ability first. And then from there, I would say, yes, do lots of research, go lots of spiritualist places, be very, very aware of the people around you who are not quite on the ball, as they say, um, and, you know, take it from there. Most people are offered to do all these, you know, like do this course and do that course. I don't think that that's advisable because the field is not recognised in that respect. So I think whatever you learn has got to come from within you. I think that's really solid advice. And I, I really kind of appreciate that, you know, you are approaching investigating locations with that integrity of bringing what you you are able to do with you as a medium, but also all these other aspects of looking at and exploring the history and trying to preserve that the heritage of the location and really kind of getting to the heart of true paranormal investigating as i kind of see it which is to want to explore that location time and time again to really start to build up this clearer picture of the kind of activity that you might experience there to have those questions and just keep adding to those questions and adding to the experiences that help to maybe prove or disprove some of the questions that you've got 
And I think that that level of intensity, that level of experience, that level of enthusiasm for, for what you're doing is something that I think if we had more of that within the paranormal field, we'd have some incredible documented, you know, reports, accounts, details of paranormal activity for so many locations that would be phenomenal to then look at and really interrogate to see what it is that they're showing you. Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, when you do a documentation, I mean, like I said, some of my documentations may go on for many, many years. Um, and I don't like to know everything up front. I want to learn it. I want to appreciate it. I want to be able to say, right, this week I've come up with that. Go away, research, find out. So that everything that I document can be validated more than anything. And when I get invited to all these lovely places, it's so refreshing to know that they have come to me to say, look, we have a beautiful building here. Can you document it? Can you tell us if there's anything here? How can we help ourselves and how can we help the spirits within them? Because we have to understand that with most of these beautiful buildings come spirits and you have to respect them. And if you go charging in there, you, it's just not good for, for either the investigator, you know, the building or, or, you know, the owners. I think you have to have an appreciation of everything that's around you and everything that's within it. Oh my goodness me, I just couldn't agree with that sentiment more. I mean, it's absolutely very much true to what I think. And, and I think you're right, that level of respect comes into all aspects of paranormal investigating, whether it's the building itself, the owners, the location itself, you know, the rest of the people who live in yeah. that village, that town, the spirits that, that might be part of that location, the history of the location, the heritage. Absolutely. I mean, so many different aspects that I think we as investigators and we as explorers within this field investigating the, the questions that we have, we have a real duty to try and get some of that right and to do it well and to do it with credibility. Because if we don't, we're destroying something beautiful. We yeah. could be destroying history. We could be putting out misinformation. We could be damage, damaging the reputation of that location and making it very difficult for them to then continue, you know, in, in some manner that maybe they're operating in. You know, you can upset the locals. Damage could be done to a beautiful building. I mean, there's so many things that could go wrong. And I think we really do have to, if we care about it, care about it in everything that we do yeah absolutely because when you go and do a venue or when i do a venue i like to look at the land i like to look whether any atrocities around it i like to know you know any any deaths that may have occurred recently because you have to avoid all of those um and if you are within that area of say an atrocity or something that would happen then you have to be very, very careful not to bring up any of that. You know, there's so many investigators nowadays that go charging into buildings. You know, they, they go into fields and things and think, oh, you know, there's a building there, it, it, it's derelict, when it's actually possibly not. And there's no respect. There's no respect for the buildings, the land, the owners. And you have to do this properly. If you're going to do it, if you're going to do documentation, I would say, look, you have to have the mindset 
you have to start out with the greatest respect for everybody even before you meet them if they've invited you they've invited you for a reason you know they trust you they trust your judgment and i for one would not want to let anybody down on that because that's integrity for me that's what makes me and gives me the ability to be able to say right i've done that one now somebody can you know come in i might be able to set up an event within that uh, building which is going to give them money is going to help them it's going to get them through a winter period and then it opens it up to the paranormal world of places that probably would never be opened up to the paranormal world and that's what's important and again i think this is what i admire so much about what you're doing because you know the the fact is you you obviously do have the trust of lots of different people who allow you into the, these locations allow you to open them up to the public to get to explore some real hidden gems that maybe don't get the same kind of spotlight as really large castles or other manor houses that are very well known um, around the world for example and here you are able to give back something to these locations that helps them to continue to survive so that they're going to be able to be there in hundreds of years time for other people to enjoy and you know the fact that you are bringing in that community the you know the wider community of the area so that these locations really are getting the love that they deserve to help them to do that i think is phenomenal not just for these locations but a real bonus then that paranormal enthusiasts are getting into places that they wouldn't normally get into which is great yeah absolutely i mean ilfracombe itself has so much to offer i mean we have chambercombe manor we're now currently losing that we had a beautiful roundhouse which were only open to the public once a year i was very very lucky to be able to go in and document that we've now lost that we have a beautiful building um, called watermouth castle which you know was opened up for the children to go in we are now losing that you know we lose so much history at the drop of a hat you know either through covid or you know you know people can't afford to keep these buildings open if i could help them to try to save that history by involving the community and once you involve the community they will help you just like they've loved the meal that i'm going to talk about tonight yeah and like i said i just really appreciate that because i think you're so right there are locations there are places that just disappear overnight for whatever reason covid winter months you know just the, the the difficulty in in terms of how we're all really living i think at the moment around the world with rising living costs and you know these are locations that can really struggle to bring people in you know that it doesn't take much that can really make it difficult for them to keep going and to pay those costs and you know the fact that you are they're giving them another means of opening up their locations so that it can be really appreciated by many i think is phenomenal because i think there's nothing sadder than going through a village going through a town and seeing another pub that's closed down that's hundreds of years old that has incredible history or you know an old bakery or a really old little kind of house that's been having people in to explore the history of those locations i mean it's just terribly sad to me really sad it is you know like i said it is really really sad to lose so many um locations i think you know 
I, I mean, everything that I do, I do for free. I don't, I've never charged anybody for anything and I never will. I do all the posters, I do all the advertising, I do all the events, you know, I plan for the events, I make food for the events, you know, I do everything and I do it because it's what I love, it's what I know and it's what I know I can give to a community and to a venue. So, you know, if I can give something, it's it's lovely when, you know, the community and the venue can give something back. And again, this is where I just think I'm so appreciative of the fact that you do that because I think you can just really see in all of that and you can hear in all of that just that real passion for what you're doing. And, and I think that's obviously why so many people trust you with the locations that they do, one of which is Biddlescombe Mill in Ilfacroon, which, oh my God, the pictures, oh, they just, <laughs> it just looks such a phenomenal location. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it, its history? Because it's it's one that dates back quite a while. It's an old building. Um, Bicklescombe Mill was first listed as a corn mill in 1795 um, and it stood within the parks of Bickerscombe Park. When it reached the end of World War One, it was just left um, and it wasn't until the 1960s that the Rotary Club decided to do something about it and you know sort of rebuild it. The park was actually opened on the 2nd of January 1911 so the grounds that this beautiful building stands in um, and that was extended in 1937 and the mill has always been there and it's just, you know, gone on and on and on. But in, in 1938, there was actually a discussion to demolish the mill um, and they were going to build two rural cottages there. And I'm really, really happy that they decided not to do that. So from there, it's just gained strength and strength and strength and it's just gone on. And mills are not something you typically see many surviving examples of them. No. Um, just around where I live, I can think of one, but there used to be a lot more. And, and over time, they do seem to be kind of buildings that have been torn down, repurposed, turned into something else, split up and turned into housing or other kind of buildings. Yeah. And they've kind of been lost to the landscape of of the countryside really and I think it's a real shame because they really do stand as monuments to a way of life and a way of living that you know really was very much part of the community centuries ago and is still something that you know is part of our our communities now and still a thriving part of some people's businesses trade community etc and so I think it's fantastic like you said it's phenomenal that wasn't torn down and it wasn't converted into something else and so this structure still exists very I mean, much as it was we've been very very lucky really because we have you know because coon mill that with the rule but it still has its original water wheel although it's been updated it is still the original one in coon martin which is the next village well going towards coon martin we have hill bay mill with an original water mill you know, uh, one of my other uh, venues was originally um, a farm, which had a lot to do with Bickelscombe Mill. So, you know, we are very, very lucky to have the workings inside, which you can go inside and see. I mean, it that's just, 
yeah it's just to, phenomenal to be able to kind of see that workings that the kind of the can, inner bones of it yeah you can see the whole thing um in 1690s when they originally bought all the original wheels in you know the stone wheels from france obviously it's upgraded since then but i mean the, the wheelhouse is always open for everybody to visit it's part of the investigation um, and it's just so beautiful. We, like I said, you know, we're, we're very, very lucky. Yeah, I'm just very jealous. <laughs> I think <laughs> when you have locations like that on your doorstep, though, I mean, just it is just incredible. And I think that's something, again, that I I think we all really need to be mindful of is that we have fantastic locations right outside our door that sometimes we drive past on the way to work. We might walk past whilst we're walking the dog and we don't really know much about them and we don't really visit them because they're just always there and we expect them to always be there. But sometimes we miss the beauty and the history and the, the extraordinary heritage that is literally right outside our doors. And sometimes we need to stop and, and really take notice, I think, of what surrounds us, what's part of our community. Absolutely. The first family that we've got um, living there was 1781 and that was the Bolston family um, and that's gone on and on and on since then and we have censors that have given us a whole range of that family from births, deaths, children, you know, and you can trace that all back and that's what I like about the mill because everything is documented, everything that we pick up, everything that we learn, it's all documented, you know, so it's for, for, for myself who does documentation and want to save an historic building, whatever I find out, I can actually verify. And then, you know, from there it goes on. So it's not one of those buildings where people just presume something's happened. You know, there are people who actually did live there, who are documented as living there, who are documented as in using, you know, at the wheel room and doing the farming and that and then like the spirits that remain there and again i love that kind of preservation of that history that the names the people that were part of such an incredible location aren't simply being lost to time that there are people still caring about the building enough to give those names a place in today's modern society and you know just being able to appreciate that as someone who who loves history and loves old buildings is is one thing but to have that kind of evidence to have it so well documented means that you know if you are investigating it for the paranormal you've got possible things then to look at to explore some of the activity that might be going on to maybe ask questions to dive a bit deeper to possibly explain some of the things that are happening at that location and that site absolutely when you absolutely. have that i mean it's just ticking all the boxes isn't it really it is i mean you cannot because coon mill will not disappoint you in any way the new new owners lee and gail darcy that have come in have spent an absolute fortune on the mill they've not changed anything they've upgraded it obviously because of you know sometimes you have to do that um, there are outbuildings out the back which they are now trying to clear, which will go with the mill. Um, and again, like I said, that's all new documentation that will come up. So, you know, Bickleskoon Mill for Ilfracoon is absolutely vital that the community learns about this mill, you know, as it's used so much now. Absolutely.
So as you, if you go into the mill itself, what's the atmosphere like within the mill? Does it have a particular present, a, a presence, a particular type of feel about it? When you go into the mill, uh, obviously when everybody's gone home and you know you walk in, you can feel and sense spirit all all the way around you. You know they want to talk to you. They you get little taps, little bangs. You can feel sometimes the electricity within the building. It's so just so beautiful. And like I said, you know, when you're there um, doing documentation, you're there the early hours of the morning, just as the sun's coming up. It is absolutely breathtaking what you can achieve within yourself just by being there, by being around it. You know, it's. And the spirits within it are so happy to communicate with you. I think it's one of those locations that's a little bit unique because, you know, again, the fact that we don't have many surviving water mills, but to have that chance to investigate a location like that, something so unique that was a, a working building, that it was a family home, you know, lots of wonderful memories i'm sure over the over the centuries and hard-working people passing through people that really cared about the building and to have that opportunity to step into a location like that that's a little bit rarer a little bit unique a little bit different is really exciting and then of course throw in other possibilities the fact that this is a location with strong ties to water many people thinking that water has a strong connection to paranormal activity being able to hold that energy of the of you know spirits of people from the past within that location you know the fact that you have that element too makes for kind of lots of different things i think that makes it makes this rather special yes because when you you know the park that it actually sits in if you walk around the park as i used to do sort of little ghost walks to go along for the evening and take you up to the leet. This is where all the water originally used to come in at the top of the park. So it's come all the way from the top of the park to the mill and then gone on further down towards the harbour and, you know, the front, what we call the front beach. And it's all that history that's, that you can, you know, verify with this beautiful mill. And like I said, you know, with the Balston family, over the years, you know, starting from 1700s, 1800s, who had like a little tea room there. And we still have that tea room, you know, that is still used. Yes, you know, they've upgraded, but it is still having the original, what was there in the 1700s is now here, you know, and that. we're still able to use it. I love that. I just think, there's that sense, isn't there, of of things coming full circle, that it's it's still kind of, it's still very much following in the traditions that it started out as, yeah. which is incredible. It is. It's, it, it's, you know, like I said, you can't, you can't get that anywhere else. And like I said, you know, the spirits within it are all documented. You've all got, um, you know, like the children that used to work there. And so the history of that in itself with all the workers, that have lived and died, you know, and is still currently within that mill is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, you're talking several hundred years, aren't you, of, of people that have passed through those doors and who've worked there, who've lived there. And, you know, a location like that, it's almost a bit like um, the community local pub, isn't it, where it's at the real heart of the centre of a, of, a, of a village, of the community. 
And these mills really were that because they were a source of, of labor income, you know, for people who worked within that area, you were able to source food so that, you know, it was giving something back to the community. There was that sense of trade, you know, it was really very much right there in the middle of the workings of the, the village, the town, you know, wherever these kinds of locations were. And so I think when you had something like that, which was very much used by so many people, that energy, I think, stays there. And, you know, I think these are why locations like that sometimes can prove to be very active in terms of paranormal, as well as the history, because so many things happened, you know, on that location, in that location. Before we head back to the podcast, if you haven't already visited the Haunted History Chronicles Patreon page, now is the perfect time to join, to listen and enjoy a multitude of additional podcasts and materials. With the midwinter lights dimming, you can look forward to daily accounts of hauntings and ghosts for each day of the month of December, spooky content to lead through Christmas and beyond into the new year. So if you want to enjoy some of those Victorian macabre traditions of gathering for ghost stories, why not find us using the link in the podcast notes and prepare to enjoy some haunting tales as you warm yourself by a fire. And now, let's head back to the podcast. We've got, like, the wheel room, we have a spirit called Arthur. Now, Arthur used to work with the flat flower sacks um, and unfortunately, one of the chains broke and it actually fell on him. So he passed there, but he is, um, he is documented as working there. So we have him who we communicate with quite a lot in within the wheel room. Um, and he looks after a little boy called George. Now, George was one of the little children um, that used to work within the mill because obviously children had to work in those days and he would help put the flour sacks on the carts. Unfortunately, one of the carts one day did actually hit him. So Arthur brought him back into the wheel room and unfortunately George died. And now Arthur looks after George and will only allow George to communicate when he feels that he can trust you that you're being respectful because obviously in those days respect was a big thing for, you know for those you know types of people um yes they were sort of mere workers or classed as mere workers but you have a sense of these people when you learn how to talk to them so the wheel room is extremely active and on many many occasions has had you know sensors going off um, things like that but not only sort of do you use paranormal equipment but they you, sometimes you can audibly hear them whispering you know they're that loud that they can whisper to you um, and they clink like the metal on the grinding wheels so that's also a very good indication that they are willing to communicate and that's just the wheel room and again I think what makes this location unique is this you know the the types of sounds the types of activity very much intrinsically linked to how it was used is again just a really ex exciting thing to kind of explore isn't it to again have that sense of history but to 
have those echoes of the past coming through with the spirits that are, that are attached to it. And, and, you know, just the fact that you've got that kind of activity in that one spot, just the wheel room is just, again, a really strong indication of just how much of a draw this location really is. And for someone who loves the paranormal, I think would be so enthusiastic to go and explore if they haven't heard of it to, to see what kinds of things it throws up because it is, it is unique. It's rather special. You don't get to explore these types of locations often. No, and, and when you actually enter um, Bickleskin Mill and you go into the tea rooms to the left, you've got the original sort of room downstairs with the fireplace and it, within there we have a lady called Elizabeth. Now we know she is um, documented um, on the Bilston family but there are many Elizabeths so we're not quite sure which one she is but she used to sit and do sewing there so you'll hear her coming along you will smell things like rose water um, you will smell uh, floral perfumes now she she has um, well, a lady that we called Aggie um, who would have been her first lady if you're coming down the centuries a little bit and Agatha is very protective over Elizabeth so you'll hear her tut every now and again which is quite funny because if you're asking certain questions you know you'll hear an outward tut as if to say well I'm not going to answer that <laughs> um, and, and that's really really good but then when you go upstairs you have another set of spirits who like saying mentioning Corinne came down and we did a documentation there one night and we used German music and we used war music and they thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and we had monitors and sensors going off all over the place. Upstairs in the mill, we have a gentleman by the name of Frank. He's not so friendly, but he's not, he wouldn't harm you or anything like that. But he walks around with a cane. So you'll hear his cane, you know, and he'll, he'll click it on the floor. On the floor. But with the other documentations that I've done, I've actually linked Frank now to about five other businesses within Ilfracombe High Street, where he used to be like an owner of several businesses. And his daughter, um, Charlotte, would actually go around and collect the rents from these places. So this is all linked. You can link these certain spirits like you can link Arthur to Heel Bay Mill and um, Larston House when it was um, a farm and not Larston House. And that's what I like about it. It's the documentation of these spirits that are not just known at one location, but several locations. And, and again, that's what makes this rather unique. And again, just kind of proves what we were talking about earlier, that something like this really was at the heart of a community and would have connections with other things and so it absolutely makes sense that some of the people who pass through these doors would have strong associate associations with other buildings and therefore you can start to kind of track some of that connection um history paranormal connection with other locations because of the story of these people within the community itself so it's almost not just the mill you're documenting but the community that you're starting to build up this picture of which is phenomenal i mean that's just incredible and you don't see that often i think with paranormal investigators and and investigations that really kind of web of 
of investigation of investigating of making those connections on drawing on lots of different bits of information in that way to help really build up that picture i mean it's yeah. phenomenal yeah because Ilf, like i said ilford Coombe is is the history of ilford Coombe is absolutely amazing so and i've been very very lucky to be invited to oh i, I think i must have investigated and documented almost all of the high street and the high street shops and the buildings and then you get to know these people you get to know their buildings so we, we we are very lucky but if you're looking at the mill behind the mill um was an old maternity home and an old hospital so the the buildings that we are trying to get to now which are covered in you know overgrown with everything which the new owner is now trying to clear um, again, you've got the outbuildings, the buildings that we can only just see. Now, we know that, you know, from documentation, at one point there was a murder. Um, again, that brings more um, credibility to the mill to say, well, look, well, this happened behind the mill. We are still researching it, so I don't want to give anything out until I know for definite till I've got everything that I need to have. But when you think of, you've got the park, you've got the mill, you've got the old maternity hospital out the back, you know, you're surrounded by so much history with this beautiful mill right in the middle of it. Yeah, right at the centre. And <laughs> not only right at the centre, but it's placed through changing history. You know, the fact that it was there through, the, through wars, the fact that it's been there through changing changes within the local community and you know you can see that then in the types of evidence the types of activity that you experience and and that's where i think it can be really exciting going in and investigating a location like that the fact that you can try different things out to see what activity it it you know generates the fact that you know using different types of music what does that what does that bring about um recreating scenes that would have been reminiscent of how it was used in in different ways in the in its past what does that create within the within the mill itself you know there's so many things to explore and i think when you have access to a location like that i mean it's just the sky's the limits isn't it really in terms of what you can try and do and try and uncover and that's just again i think the really exciting part of investigating yeah and i think you know with the appreciation of um, Lee and Gail, the new owners who have, like I said, put so much into the building to um, really respecting the building because, you know, they don't live in town. So, you know, they've come in, they've taken on this beautiful mill. They're very, very respectful um, to both spirits. They're very keen to learn. Um, we did one up there for Devon. We did a, a, a night for Devon Live for the, for the local media to try to get the mill out there and sort of explain what goes on. And to be perfectly honest, you know, the, the owners have come forward and given so much back to the community as it is now. I've been able to host the children's Halloween party, which has been there for 20 odd years. And then obviously COVID hit and the poor little kid has got nothing. So they've, you know, allowed me to go in and we've done that. And then we did a sparkler one. We're going to do a Father Christmas one. You know, so they're giving as much back to the community as the community give him 
by visiting the mill, hiring the mill, having meals at the mill, you know, and it works both ways and it's absolutely perfect because the community has taken on now the mill and the owners as they have now given so much appreciation back to the community. And that's what's so important because if you can get the community to understand the history of a beautiful building, they will appreciate it and therefore it will continue to be used. Whichever, I mean, I've seen so many owners come and go and being able to still go in and document it is is just perfect for me. And like I said, for the community wise, it's just stunning. And I think when you have the community on board, that's when you really start to kind of unearth these maybe hidden stories about the mill. Grandmother that comes out of the woodwork and, and tells you of a story that they had from their childhood or something that's been passed down in their family, some con some connection maybe with someone in their, in their past history that maybe worked there or knew something about the location. You know, you start to kind of hear these things, don't you? Because they see you really genuinely caring about that property and so you start to hear these stories along with it and again it's just building up that large documentation that kind of portfolio of experiences that over time can then really lead to some pretty insightful thoughts and experiences that you know otherwise would be missed if you were just going in occasionally to explore a location when you really get to know the bones of it the soul of that place the history the people the community I mean, you're, you're really tapping into so much more than you would otherwise be able to. I mean, I've been very, very lucky because I've been contacted by a lot of people who have sort of sent me private messages and gone, oh, we used to go there years ago. And, you know, this happened over 20, 30 years ago. And I'm very, very lucky now that I'm now requesting to interview these people, to take statements from them, to, to add it to this, you know, um, to the page so that people can join the group and see the history and it's lovely because you've got verification then from other visitors who have come along and joined and that's so vital to the working of this meal and the working of how many people have come to visit it and when they came and you know and that's so important to how that mill is seen so yeah i, mean I am very lucky it's just phenomenal to see a location vibrant, you know, to see it being used in so many different so many different ways. Like you mentioned, you know, having Halloween parties there for children, having it opened up for people to come and sit down and eat, um, having it being able to be used for a paranormal investigation, to have someone come and enjoy a cup of tea and sit in the tea room like they would have done hundreds of years ago. You know, there's there's something really quite satisfying and special to see a building like that still being used and and alive like that with people coming in and out of its doors and i think that's what we've got to try and continue to strive to to see happen really so that we don't leave we don't lose these incredible locations like we've mentioned yeah and and that is so important um and like i said that you know the owners have now sort of said look if anybody wants to book a party they won't you know charge for the hire of the building it's done to however somebody can afford to do it, which again is beautiful in its own way because like I said, you know, they're giving a beautiful venue out. There's so much there that we can, you know, utilize it for. But then, you know, that history is solid. That history is never going to change about that building. 
So regardless of how it may change, that history is there. That's always going to be there. And the people that come to investigate it or hire the mill or just want to come up and do a documentation with me, I'm very happy for somebody to sort of say, look, you know, we want to come and have a look. We can't afford to to hire it, but, you know, can we come up with you and, and just have a look at it? Come and see it. And then, and then they put it on their group pages. I'm happy to do that because it all gets it out there. And that's what's important is everybody knows about all the types of buildings that are, you know, within a, a community. And the more that goes out and the more that spread, the more likely these places are to stay open, to get the help that they need, that we can't get from the government, you know, that we can't, you can't get from the lottery fund, you know, and then we lose them. So yeah. it is really important that people want to take the interest in this building. And I'll help to do that in any way I think is necessary to get it out there. And it's such a unique, such an incredible location. I mean, just the, the history, but then hearing some of the activity that you've tapped into, you know, within different levels of the building and its uses, the, the types of sounds that are heard, the types of smells that are heard. I mean, this is a real range of paranormal activity. And again, if it opens it opens up this location to others to explore some of that, that's an incredible opportunity that I really do hope that people listening, you know, paranormal groups, people who enjoy exploring the paranormal, people who enjoy exploring the history, really take to heart and and want to come and and, and seek this location out. And you know, I hope if they if they do that they have the kinds of experiences that you're talking about because you know it it's it sounds such an incredible location that i think people coming away will have had a really good experience something very different and you know you can't really complain about exploring something as unique and as magical as this location sounds yeah absolutely i mean for the paranormal lover to hire out the venue and come in we all know as investigation you know investigators that we can't expect them to perform you know no. it's how you go in it's how you present yourself to the spirits and paranormally wise they won't be disappointed there is so much there you know it's, it's you know you get touched you get sensations from the children you get little tugs from the children you know because like i said you know through all the years there've been so many children there um, and people look at the flour mill, you know, and if you didn't know the history, you would think it was just adults, but you, you do get the children. Some of them are quite funny. Um, so if you're looking at it for the paranormal, you won't be disappointed because there's so many avenues that you can try, like I said, with the music, with the different languages. We've done tests there. We've done, you know, Estes method there. It is so open for the paranormal world to come and investigate and come and learn from these spirits and from the history of this mill. And I mean, we both know that sometimes if you are a paranormal enthusiast, when you want to explore a location like that, it can be very difficult to get into some of these more well-known maybe locations where it can be very expensive to hire it out. It can be very difficult in terms of where you can have access to you know you're not able to necessarily explore as much of the property as you've actually as you think and so you can be somewhat limited in what you really can do and how many times you can go back there because of cost and you know here you've got 
quite, you know, you've got really good access to a location. You've got incredible history literally right there for you to tap into. Experience, expertise that you can you can kind of tap into. And a location that doesn't have the same kinds of maybe things in its standing in its way that would prevent possibly groups from being able to go and explore that. And I think the fact that it is more accessible is is a phenomenal, phenomenal kind of asset, to be honest, that people but, need to utilise. Yeah, and this is why the owners didn't do the costings too high. So you have one set costing for, you know, small teams um, and you have a, a, another set costing for event companies. So we've tried to do it best for both worlds um, and we've obviously when you ring up and you you know you come through me you will get your terms and conditions and everything everything is done properly precisely and we will try to accommodate any paranormal group that wants to come in um, obviously you can't have a huge group because it's not big enough but you can comfortably have a really really good investigation at not and it really over expensive cost and that's what i like about it because as you said many many places cost an absolute fortune to get into so and because like teams or groups can't afford this type of money with the, the changing of what's going on um to get a small unknown venue is 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 brilliant because then that gets that out there um, and like I said, it, it's just so good for the paranormal world. Absolutely. And, you know, we will make sure that we put out the details for the mill so that people interested can find it on the on the on the website and on the kind of the description notes for the podcast so that they really can come along and, and explore this location if they're interested, either through the daytime or as a as a something to hire out, maybe. You know, yeah. I mean, there's so many things that you have on offer here that I think would prove really interesting for people who want to try and, and explore something a little bit different. Yeah, and like I said, they, you know, paranormally-wise, they won't be disappointed. Um, there, there is a lot of spirits within it. There's a lot of spirits, with, you know, around it. You've got the history of the park. You know, I've done ghost walks up to the, like, you know, to the Leet. And, you know, we've sat in there and done, you know, a small investigation and the spirits will come with you. You know, they'll come out of the mill and come with you. Um, and, it, it, and it's so good because of that reason that that whole area, you know, like I said, it is just so good for the history of this yeah. mill. So I don't think anybody would be really disappointed. And, you know, we should really mention that you aren't just responsible for the mill itself. You you help a variety of different locations with with similar kind of history in the sense that these are incredible buildings with real heritage, real stories to to share and to offer, as well as some exciting paranormal activity to share and offer that people would be, I'm sure, really, really pleased to kind of be able to step foot in and, and explore and be able to kind of imagine themselves in that location in the past to step back into time and and see these locations and how they were used and and again explore some of the paranormal activity that it might still be experiencing today yeah and you know the what's the best way to kind of follow and learn about some of these other buildings that you you help to kind of 
host events and and different things for where, where's the best way to find that out well you can always go on to like i said the facebook we have the darnley hotel yeah um, we are hosting an event there with richard felix in april we're doing psychic suppers we do we're doing a big halloween ball for charities and things like that they're all linked you anybody can message me direct and i'll send you the links i then have the sherborne hotel again very similar to the darnley um, so much history in both of these hotels that the grounds are beautiful that the spirits within are you know will show themselves they have been investigated before um, the Sherborne is a new one um, I'm just sort of currently putting that out there that's all now open ready for um, paranormal nights then I have L Laston House beautiful manor house that georgian manor house that sits in three to six acres of land that's brand new you know that has its own original well house grounds like i said used to be a farm you can see the original pig farm they're all connected to bickelscombe mill but it, like i said you can either message me and i'll send you the links um if you go to spirit seekers or spirit seekers history you know i'll accept you on there there's loads of history loads of places that i've documented loads of events there are offers uh, at, you know events that are going to take place you know there are offers for free hire for you know certain buildings um and you just pay for your parties or whatever it is to go in i mean all these places are just steeped in history 17 1800s you know with so much to give and like i said bringing in like people like richard felix um to the darnley hotel um, and running events there I, i'm so so lucky and i'm so grateful that these people trust me enough to you know share their their properties their hard working you know some of these are their homes you know and their businesses and i'm just so lucky to be able to do what i can do to help them and so incredible that these are locations that are now becoming available for people to experience and experience that history really experience the paranormal um just be able to step into a phenomenal location that you ordinarily wouldn't have access to and yeah. you're opening them up in a way that allows people to to do that in a variety of different ways and again i think that's that's exciting that you know you're really thinking about different ways to open the buildings up and to have them explored and so people have different things that they could experience depending on what type of of event or experience they're really looking for as something to maybe try and we will definitely make sure that we pop your facebook information for you personally so that anyone who really does want to maybe try a range of some of these different locations that you've mentioned briefly you know to see this kind of portfolio of different locations and just to get in touch if they're interested in maybe trying to hire something or to do something in the future you know if we can enable that to happen so that as we said enthusiasts can step into some locations that are beautiful hidden little gems that um they're going to love and, and be able to help document and be part of that paranormal journey that history journey then all the better as far as i'm concerned because 
you know, like I've said throughout this interview, chatting with you, what you're doing is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it just makes my heart so happy to see these kinds of locations being able to continue the way they are and be busy the way they are and be loved the way they are and to have people really caring about preserving that history and really, really thoughtful in the way that the paranormal and questions around the paranormal are being approached. And, you know, hats off to you for all the incredible hard work that you are doing completely free to help <laughs> these locations. You know, it's it's amazing and not many people do that. So no, no and, honestly, and, like, well done. and like I said, I'm just I'm just blown away. And like I said, the the owners of all these properties are so accommodating and they will help as much as they can, you know, uh, and they will introduce as much as they can. So, you know, I'm just so lucky that I'm I'm able to have these guys as friends as well as, you know, being a booking agent for them. You know, there are so many paranormal enthusiasts, I think, that when you start to kind of get into it, it it's it's one of those kind of fields that there's so much information about locations and so many locations across the United Kingdom, across Wales, across Scotland that, you know, really are, I mean, you could spend the rest of your life investigating them, but you wouldn't kind of, <laughs> you wouldn't make a scratch in the number that we have no. in terms of historical buildings here in, here in the United Kingdom and, you know, elsewhere for people around the world, you know, there is so much that we could really access. But sometimes it is these smaller, lesser known buildings that just don't have that kind of access because they're not as well known. They're in these smaller community areas. They're maybe not that big castle sat on the landscape that um, has been part of documentaries and, and um, seen on television screens and talked about in that kind of way or written about in books. But these are locations known to the community. And, you know, sometimes these locations that maybe aren't explored every night, every weekend for decades can be the locations that just offer something really magical because, you know, it's, it's a new kind of energy that you're stepping into because it's, it's not something that's been explored to death for want of a better description you yeah. know it can be very the energy can be really high and again that just offers up so much opportunity i think to really to dive into something maybe not quite as well known and to get your teeth into something really exciting really unique and pretty rare and again i hope anybody listening just takes the time to look at some of these locations to click those links that I'll make sure that we put out for these locations and for you to see if there's, you know, something that maybe someone wants to go and explore in the future or find out a little bit more or do their own research. You know, so many different ways that you can kind of get involved, I think. Yeah, and, and like I said, you know, I think when we discover, and I've still got other venues to go and have a look at, I'm very, very lucky, you know, they keep coming and they keep coming, <laughs> you know, and it, and as like I said, I would rather put them out there and do as a medium, you know, to investigate these places, get them verified, get the terms and conditions all set up so that everybody is comfortable and everybody can enjoy the venue. 
and I just hope that people that will listen will not be so encouraged to go to buildings that they think are derelict and break in and be disrespectful that there are buildings now that are coming up that are affordable that have the history that have you know good owners who will accommodate you as long as you are respectful and not go you know and break into somewhere that they shouldn't be and to be respectful and that as a, as a medium and a booking agent and a lover of the paranormal and history that's all i ask is you know please be respectful do it properly you know people are willing to help you if you help them oh gosh absolutely oh beverly chatting with you has just been absolutely a joy i mean just hearing about the mill it, i mean as i said as i said earlier it's just makes me really smile and really happy to see somewhere like that being talked about and to see the passion for it so thank you so much for your time i mean it's just been incredible to learn a little bit about this location and and what you're doing and some little glimpses into some of these other locations that i hope people come and find so thank you so much for your time i'm so appreciative no thank you very much i'm i'm very you know i appreciate the fact that I can talk about, you know, these lovely venues. And, you know, if you want to come on the podcast in the future to talk about some of these other locations or if there's something that you discover that, you know, you think should be out there for people to know to, to come and explore, then, you know, please keep the podcast in mind because, you know, we'd love to, to chat with you in the future about some of these other locations that you have the privilege to, to go into really and to dive into them a little bit more. It'd be phenomenal to do that in the future. Yeah, just just drop me a line and I'm <laughs> sure I can fill it in. <laughs> no, thank, thank you, you very much. Yeah, honestly, thank you so much. And uh, I will say goodbye to everybody listening and, and see you next time. Bye, everyone. If you like this podcast, there's a number of things you can do. Come and join us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Spread the word about us with friends and family. Leave a review on our website or other podcast platforms. To support the podcast further, why not head on over to join us on Patreon, where you can sign up to gain a library of additional material and recordings, and in the process know you're helping the podcast continue to put out more content. On a final note, if you haven't read it already, then you can find my piece In Search of the Medieval in Volume 3 of The Feminine Macabre, over on spookeats.com or via Amazon. Links to the book will also be in the episode description. Thank you everyone for your amazing support.